Welcome to Rooted, the Dallas Farmers Market podcast where we share stories of our local farmers, ranchers, artisans, and craftsmen. If you're looking to grow your connection to the food you eat and the makers you support, you can plant your roots here. All right, Savannah, what are we talking about today? Hey, Meg. Today we are kind of picking up the conversation that we had last week where we discussed the roots of the farmers markets and how they've changed over time. Uh, But today we're focusing in on the heart of the farmers market, which is the farmers and ranchers. Um, We wanted to talk a little bit about the culture of farming, which is obviously agriculture. Um, But that comes from the roots of agrarian culture. An agrarian is anything related to cultivating land or, you know, farming and ranching. It's the culture that surrounds that, the way of life. And so this is something that is going to both change over time, but also change by region, depending on where you are in the world, um, what time period you live in, and current connection to the land. Right. So depending on where you are or when you are, the farming around you is going to look really different. Um, You know, you could either have terraced landscapes like you see in South America, or you might see row cropping like you get in the American Midwest where you have, you know, large fields, or, you know, you can come across permaculture gardens um, that are really integrating different approaches to agriculture to grow food in a way that is more sustainable. And I think something that we are always talking about especially in a farmer's market context, is that the consumer and the consumer's taste and I guess like food fashion is also changing what you're growing and eating. Yeah, exactly. So the same way that, um, you know, farmers and ranchers are a part of the culture, they're not the only ones. It's also us. It's the consumers. It's, you know, food artisans and restaurants that are going to influence what you are finding in that agricultural scene. It's going to, you know, our tastes are going to influence what's found, what uh, the farmers and ranchers are bringing to the market. So when we're talking about even in America that now we're seeing at least for questions that people are asking us is where can I get avocados as less where can I get potatoes or corn? So is that something that we would see changes happening today with? Our agricultural access, our culture is going to continue to change. So as our tastes change, what we find is going to change. So, you know, even though we haven't always been able to grow the products that we've been wanting as our tastes change, we might find ways to do that. Like, For example, we are already extending seasons for certain crops. So now we're starting to see strawberries and tomatoes coming earlier because of demand and because of our ability to use technology like greenhouses to bring those items. And I think that brings up a really interesting point of what we expect when we think about farming is that agriculture tends to have this idea of being older and being good old countrymen and having this, you know, simplistic way of life on the farm but what you're saying is that farmers can really be innovators and technology driven um, and responding to the challenges that they find in their lives yeah absolutely that's one of the things that i see as 
the most interesting part of visiting all the farms and ranches before they come out to the market is that no two farms look the same. Every farm, every yard, you know, has different uh, microclimates and they have different problems and they've all found different solutions. So really farmers and ranchers are innovators, but what you're describing with like the kind of traditional idea of what uh, a farm looks like, you're kind of talking about the more industrialized farm. So these are farms that have really high output of say corn or soy, um, like a singular product. And these tend to have a lot of machinery that's involved in it. So they're using, um, you know, irrigation systems with, um, you know, tractors for sowing, for tilling, for, uh, you know, manning the yard. Some of them don't have even an operator on them. Some of them are computerized. So it really, you know, this took place mostly in the Green Revolution, which is pretty ironic that we call it the Green Revolution, but it started in the 1960s. And it was a shift in agriculture to try to increase the amount of food that was produced while decreasing the amount of labor that was required. And so you did see a massive increase in the amount of food that we had, but it was very much uh, narrowing down the types and varieties of foods that we had. Interesting. And so today, the farms and ranches that the maximum amount of food production is no longer their main focus on how the purpose of their farm. Right. So the result of the Green Revolution is really interesting because you end up creating these giant farms that are actually producing food at a cost that is less than what they can actually be sold for. So in order for someone to actually operate a corn field, they have to sell that basically at a rate that is less than what it costs them. But this makes it a really costly kind of situation to get yourself into because you have very specific contracts that you need to fulfill and your opportunities for, um, you know, increased profits are really minimal. So this is when we start to see that there are fewer people farming, um, a lot of people who are not making the same money that they used to make in it. And the average age of farmers has gone up substantially. So the average age of a farmer right now is 58 years old, which is significantly older than, you know, healthier segments of uh, the economy, which you would think of like uh, technology jobs, they're going to have a lot younger average age of participants. But what we're seeing is that this demand that we're seeing with farmers markets is that people want a connection to local foods. And this is coming from, you know, different farmers and ranchers than the ones who are still kind of in this agricultural um, green revolution type farm. These are coming from small uh, to medium-sized farmers who are fulfilling that need for local foods. And a really interesting thing is that a lot of these um, new farmers and ranchers are women and uh, even in minority populations. So you're saying that it's not that younger people or anyone below the median age or the average identity of a farmer are not interested in agriculture or growing food or being part of a local food system, but the current way that our system is set up, there's a hard, there's like a high barrier for entry if you, unless you kind of do it in this alternative way. Yeah. So uh, it is difficult to get into that type of 
um, industrialized agriculture. And even though we've begun to call that traditional agriculture or even conventional agriculture, it really is not um, a model that's been around for all that long. Given that it started in the 1960s, prior to that, a lot of the farms were small to medium-sized farms that were just um, subsistence farms, meaning that they were growing for just their families or their small community. And what we're seeing is that um, more people are more um, young people are getting into that type of agriculture. So I know that particularly our ranchers at the Dallas Farmers Market are doing really innovative things and kind of turning the idea of what a traditional like traditional ranching looks like on its head and um, bringing these really interesting ways of caring for animals and caring for the land to provide a healthy source of food for people. So you've gone and seen some of our ranchers like Judy and Harriet Juha Ranch, um, or we went up to Oklahoma to go see, uh, to go see Angela at 413 or Thomas at Bodark. So can you tell, tell me a little bit about what they're doing that makes them different or makes them stand out from just a traditional rancher? Yeah. So each of those ranchers um, is completely unique um, between the animals that they're raising to the types of um, land or ranches that they own. But what makes them unique is that they're taking a regenerative approach to agriculture. So they're not just looking at getting the maximum amount of, you know, meat per acre owned. You know, they're looking at how they can make their land um the most fruitful that it can be over time. Like 413 Farms, she's going an extra step and all of her uh, meats are organic. So she went through the additional step of um, becoming certified organic, which is a process through the USDA. And so it's kind of interesting that as you're you know, addressing some of the issues that come about with traditional agriculture, like a big problem that comes up is overgrazing. So a lot of the land in Texas has been overgrazed because you've got too many animals on uh, one piece of land and they tend to eat down all the grasses and then you end up with um, degraded soil, healthy pastures where you see a variety of grasses and animals are healthier. You solve multiple problems because those animals are also less likely to become sick. Um, meaning that you don't need to treat them with antibiotics and they're um, going to be healthier animals to begin with. This new kind of farming and ranching is really building building up for something greater even afterwards. Like they're healing the earth right now and then preserving it for whoever's going to come next and be working that land. Yeah, absolutely. A big focus of regenerative agriculture is just ensuring that um, the land is even in better condition than when you had it. We have a lot of land that's already damaged. And so sustainable is too late. And so we're to the point of being regenerative where we're not just sustaining, but we are improving. And that's a really hopeful message that it's not just you get what you can get until it's gone, but that by having these kind of practices... you can make something better. I mean, that's a really exciting idea. On top of just having, or not even just, but on top of farms being really conscientious of how they're working their land, 
we also have firms who are kind of using, you're using some growing methods or growing practices that people might not be familiar with. Uh, we have some people like you said greenhouses, but that's a pretty familiar concept with people doing aquaponics or hydroponics, which is a different method that I think a lot of people might not even know exists. So when you talk about hydroponics, you are growing without even using soils. In an area where land is limited or resources are limited, this is a really cool opportunity for us to fulfill a need year-round. When I first learned about it, it was my, what I now know, incorrect assumption that this had to be a very new technology. But actually, when I started looking into the history of hydroponics, this is something that ancient people have been doing and then that some of the earliest scientific method research was done. Yeah, even uh, before we were into hydroponics, which was, you know, is just the water with the nutrients, we were um, using aquaponics, which is specifically using, um, you know, fish involved into the process, um, but it also is using some soil. And a really awesome example of this is that, you know, we think of it as being a new innovation, but it's actually so uh, so much older than that, the Aztecan people, all the way back in uh, you know 1100, were using aquaponics by creating these floating gardens called uh, chinampas, and they just you know they floated on the surface of a pond, and they were like um, just floating patches of soil that they could garden off of. But I think it's an interesting thing that there are these methods of in this case, creating land, you know, creating land out of water in this case of, um, that we have been using for, like you said, for a very long time and finding these new technological ways of both working with the earth and then using techno the technology that we have that we're able to create these new kind of ways of farming to make, to kind of, you know, make that transition easier from one system to a new system. We want to see all these different approaches because they're all going to work in their own way. And when you try different things, a lot of them are going to work and you don't have to be, um, you don't have all of your eggs in one basket as it were. And so for people who are interested in this, this idea of being involved in the local food system or starting um, to use these own kind of practices, if they're not going to go out and buy a plot of land and start rotationally grazing their cattle, what are some ways for people to get involved? Well, you know, it can be a really simple thing. Um, starting a container garden, if you don't have any land, um, would be a great way to do it. And if you look online right now, there are a lot of people who are excited about, you know, victory gardens for 2020. There's, it's a throwback to the old um, World War One and World War II initiatives to get people to grow their own food, just to show that, um, you know, we have access to healthy food all the time and that we're taking the initiative to um, be the one to feed ourselves and feed our community. So the, some other ways that you can support um, this movement towards more sustainable agriculture and the farmers and ranchers that you see at the farmer's market is, of course, to shop with them. Come down and use the um, the goods that they're bringing and um, by supporting them we're you know supporting a change in how food comes to us and we're supporting um the entrepreneurs and innovators who have decided to bring those foods to you there's so many people in dallas who you're able to get resources and information from like uh, north haven gardens is a great place for people who are 
interested in growing, but maybe not going to grow from seed. They always have really interesting plant varieties that you can go um, pick up, purchase from them and always have people available um, to talk about gardening and what you're doing. Yeah, that's an awesome shout out. There's a lot of different organizations in Dallas that you can reach out to if you're interested in getting plant starts or just have questions. Um, check out Community Gardens and there's a million ways to get well, there started. There you go. So if people want to come by and talk about these things, we're at the Dallas Farmers Market every Saturday and Sunday. We have an information booth that you can come by, come by and say hi. You've been listening to Rooted, the Dallas Farmers Market podcast. Thank you for your continued support of our local farms and ranches. And thank you to Seth Campbell for writing our amazing theme music. You can find our show notes and more resources at dallasfarmersmarket.org. We will see you at the market.